Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes... Lots of other marvellous benefits and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flag Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow, pow, pow. I am Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along to History Box. And this is the second part of who knows how many episodes of the history of Mud, the substance, as opposed to Mud, the pop group, uh, which we might get right now at some point, um, maybe t- tagged on to the end of this episode. Mm. Who knows? We'll see how far we get. But the thing is, Sam, we've reached a point in proceedings because we're, we're working from the Wikipedia page from Mud. We haven't done a great deal of research, let's be honest. And um, we're at the section. Well, on... other than living our lives, which oh, is yeah, the yeah, best yeah. research you can yeah. have. I mean, that's just that's just innate, isn't it? We've just got an innate I mean, the way sense of to mud tackle a lot of our subjects. It, they, a phrase they use a lot now mm. is lived experience, right? Yes. yes. And lived experience is more relevant and it's more pertinent than anything you can learn off of a scientist or out of a book, right? Yeah. And what better subject to discuss from the point of view of our lived experience than mud? Because that's what it's all about. That's why mm. we wanted to discuss this. It's like mud. Mm. If you're growing up in Britain, especially if you grew up in the 80s, mm-hmm. right, then mud was a huge... I'd go as far as to say it was almost as as relevant to your childhoods as your own parents were. Well, I mean, I'm a Sunderland fan. And one of the biggest mm. regrets I've got as a Sunderland fan is that I wasn't at Wigan Athletic in, I think it was 1988 for that mm. famous match where the Sunderland fans were behind the goal on what was just basically a muddy slope and it had been <laughs> pissing it down and they just spent the oh. whole 90 minutes sliding down it and TV cameras picked it up and it's, it gets shown now and again on Soccer AM, obviously oh, for, the, oh. for the lulls and the bants. Yeah. Uh, but it's on YouTube as well and it's, you know, of all the, the, the great days and some of the sad days I've had as a Sunderland fan, that's the one I wish I'd been too because that looks like the most mud fun day. is it known mud as mud day, day amongst it is the now. fans it is yeah. now yeah the Wigan mud day they call it I if think. we yeah. you know it'd be lo- lovely to think about maybe doing an extra spin-off episode one time in which I mean you could easily find some people who were there on mud day to give yeah. us like first-hand accounts of their lived experience of mud day yeah maybe try and recreate it somehow um mm. somewhere else I mean have you got an outstanding mud experience from your your childhood was there a particular well, no, I talked last week about when we had a spontaneous mud fight in my aunt's garden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where we were filling yeah. up plant pots with mud and fucking mm-hmm. chucking them at each other and 
some of us formed like a sort of a base inside the shed to hide. But then people were like chucking, a, opening the door and chucking mud grenades. It, it was just brilliant. You know, like where the hysteria is just out of control. And then yeah. as cousins, every time you meet up once or twice a year, you know, you might see each other at a wedding mm. a year later. And when you see your cousins, at first, you're a bit standoffish and nervy. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, you're at a wedding, you're having to wear, like, oh, smart clothes, and it's already awkward. But then, mm. slowly, things warm up. You shuffle together, you sidle up. And then, suddenly, the ice is thawed when someone goes, <laughs> remember that med fight, mud fight we had <laughs> at Auntie Debbie's? <laughs> do you remember that? Because when you're a kid, yeah, you always it. say, do you remember, about things that happened quite recently, mm. like... Mm. My son still does that because quite a lot. That's, it, that's all you've got, isn't it? You've got a really small time frame to work in. Yeah, so, your nostalgia game is is pretty limited. Weak. But you, you're quite into nostalgia because you've heard parents do it a lot. Incessantly. You've heard grown-ups yeah. do nostalgia all the time. Yeah. And so you think, I want in on that. Sounds like fun. Sort of thing that reflects how mature, what a man of the world I am. Yeah. So I'm going to start doing nostalgia. But unfortunately, your nostalgia <laughs> is about something that happened yesterday. <laughs> I've got nothing to work with. Yeah. But, um, My daughter actually had a word with me this morning. She went, what you and mum have started to do a lot. And she said it quite... I thanked her for it. She said it with an uncharacteristic amount of respect because she t- speaks to me usually with no respect whatsoever. Yeah. She went, you're, you're doing what my grandmas do which is just tell really long boring stories about things that happened to you when you were younger mm-hmm. and then get quite annoyed when no one's interested <laughs> and I said really I said obviously I'm aware that your grandmas do that it's almost exclusively what they do but I, do I do that when you do you and mum both do it a lot about the 80s and the 90s yeah, and then she went Sam she went dad no one cares about Euro 94 or whatever it was called. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> oh, and I was man. like, I let it slide because she's a blood relative. She's my spawn. Anyone else, I would have, yeah, I would have filled them in. I'd have had to. Do You, you can't think, speak that way. Do you, do you think she deliberately called it Euro 94? As a Probably, t- yeah. Wound she's, you? she's a very skilled troll. Yeah. She is one of the most really skilled well trolls that. I have ever had to encounter. Yeah. That must um, be tough so, to live with. But I, I took it because I sort of thought, yeah, that that is what we do. We just talk a lot about mm-hmm. good shit that happened in usually one of those two decades. Because once you get into the noughties, I'm not interested. I mean, I've told lots of stories on this podcast about things that happened to me in the noughties. That was when I was a working man. So in some ways... More exciting was, things happened. That was when I was a working man as opposed to a now. A working man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not now. I've reti- I've long since retired from that life. Don't, <laughs> fucking, don't fucking tell people this isn't work. Don't right. Them but the, f- the thing is, is that, uh, I, yeah, things happen in the noise, but I don't really na- label them as noughties. Do you know what I mean, mm. Andy? Mm. I don't suppose you do either, do you? You don't recognise it as a decade. Either the of the last two decades. I mean, you mentioned your daughter there, and I think as soon as you have kids, all better off. And you stop recognising decades as a brand. Do you know what I yeah. mean? But a did, brand. But, the nineties. That's a brand. Yeah. The eighties. That's a brand. But it will the be noughties, the people who were just, It was just a collection of years. Well, yeah. I mean, it took like about eight years for them to decide what to call it because they were going to call it the zeros. For a bit, and then Stupid. they call it the the noughts, yeah. the, the noughties. But my daughter was born in 2003, so my noughties were just all about 
the chaos nappies. of parenting. So you know, you I don't... called them the nappies. <laughs> you don't have any experiences when that happens. That's nah, the way it that, is. That, so that, listen, be... that, and if you look at it from a pop culture point of view, obviously we talk about pop culture from the eighties in particular, and a bit about the nineties too. But from a pop culture point of view, right? When I think of the noughties, I think, yeah, well, Beyonce. You know, Beyonce, Be- that's what it had going for it. Be- Beyonce and the Sopranos, that's all I remember yeah. from the noughties. Yeah. That's why when we do Top Flight Chain Machine, the random pop blob ceases to go beyond the year 2000. It yeah. starts at 1970 because I think we've got a fairly clued up idea of that era. But then it just goes as far as 2000 and after that, and then it's you're just like, a blur nah. for us really, isn't it? Yeah, I remember uh, Pharrell. Well, that was before he kind of became a bit more mainstream. He 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 did a lot of music with various artists, and all of it was brilliant. Mm. But by that stage, I was sort of appreciating music from a distance more. Yeah, I was like, yes, that's a nice song that I enjoy listening to. I wasn't just, like Euro '96. Are you? No. I mean, from the gap between Euro '96 and the beginning of the noughties is incredibly short. But it feels yeah. like a gulf. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed a lot in our society. Mm. I mean, just getting back to what you you mentioned there about lived experience and how people try and use that to trump stuff like actual knowledge in science. That's <laughs> genuinely where we're at now, isn't it? It's like this this dismissal yeah. now we have of scientists is like, yeah, yeah, fuck all that. I know best. I've been around. I went to the university, you fucking hard knocks. I know how yeah. life works. I don't need a scientist to tell me what to do. Mm. And that's pretty scary, I think. Yeah, but emotionally, think- it, it depends what you're framing it as. I think that it's okay to talk about lived experience when it's about emotional experience because it's hard to apply science and rational thought to emotional experience. Some people try. Mm. My dad, for instance. Mm. Like, you're going off in a bit sad. Don't know why. Well, that's irrational. What do you mean you don't know why? What's the reason? Don't know. Well, then you're just being unintelligent, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? Like, you'll get cunts like that, but you're not trying to say it's scientific. Do you know what I mean? You're not trying yeah. to say, I am sad. It's a scientific fact that I am sad. You're just saying, listen, I don't fucking know. This is just the way it is, right? You, you can you can talk about lived experience then. You don't necessarily want like a psychiatrist talking to you about the mechanics of the mind and why, yeah. in fact, I've done a fucking scan on your nut and your dopamine and serotonin levels seem perfectly fine. So you're fucking full of shit, mate. There's nothing wrong with you. You're like, listen, that might be so, but I know how I fucking feel and I feel gutted. But that, yeah. that's fine because you're not, risk- you're not in danger now. You're not trying to deny a scientific fact. But if you try to deny a scientific fact by saying, well, I don't care because I've seen it with my own eyes and I know what my interpretation is and it's yeah. different to that of the scientist. And my, my interpretation is just as valid as yours. When yeah. It isn't. It's not, of course it's not because you haven't been to university and done a degree in science. Mate, someone had a go at, not a go, but someone was a bit passive aggressive and I haven't experienced this before. I, I've got a feeling, I was thinking maybe you had, but I couldn't remember the specifics, of having a, a sort of a pop at me and Len for wearing our masks yesterday. Oh, God. We, we were in really? a toilet of a pub and this bloke, he was a bit of an older bloke and he kind of, he did like a double take, then a triple take, then a quadruple take uh. when he was standing at the hand dryer and yeah. we were waiting. It was yeah. one of those toilets that's only got a single ha- hand dryer, mate, which is another issue we'll talk about another day, right? But 
I thought, what's he keep fucking looking at? And he kept looking between me and Len, me and Len, me and Len. And then suddenly he said, really, like, really annoyed. You can take your mask off now, you know. I've been triple jabbed. Oh, and I went, was personal. Well, I don't know. I went, it's not personal, mate. We wear them everywhere. And he went, oh, yeah? How are you supposed to sip your beer then? Oh, and I was like, Jesus well, where's going Christ. after this? Anyway, he went, oh, I see. And then he looked up and down with disdain, including a 10-year-old boy. And oh, then walked, sort of stomped out. And I thought, I was, I've really been trying to get my head around what annoyed him. And I thought, maybe he thinks that the wearing of masks is almost judgmental. Like, mm. And I can yeah, see yeah. that. I can actually see <clears> that. I think it's a, I think it's daft. But I can appreciate how someone might go around thinking, anyone wearing a mask is judging me for not wearing a mask or for being in some way unclean. You yeah. know, like in Victorian times, they used to walk around with an orange under their fucking noses so they didn't have to smell all the like peasants the poverty yeah I don't know I, th- I think people just look for an excuse to fucking um, have a pop at people about it because it's the first time it's happened just, to me but it's, I it's, don't go it's, out much it's just that thing of of it's, it, it gets back to that lived experience over science thing it's like you know yeah I know best I know what's what um, I'd, it's never happened to me yet but it, whatever again, happened to live and let live though mate whatever happened to live and let live that's what I think. It's yeah, like, yeah. listen, I'm, I, I'm not going to say to you for not wearing a mask. Well, yeah, I could, but I'm not. You're not hurting him, are you? And he's not hurting... Well, he might be hurting exactly. him. Exactly. That's what yeah. I don't understand about people getting robbed. But people carry a lot of anger around with them, don't they? They do. do. you know what it says in the um, the big book for the old Alcoholic Anonymous, right? There's something called the big book, which all the wisdom is within. All right. And yeah. someone quoted it to me the other day. I haven't read it. I mean, I've, I've dipped in and out of it because there's some good stuff in there for anyone. Uh, I'm not saying we should do a deep dive of it. Yeah. Well, you're not saying we shouldn't. (laughs) Someone says, anger is the dubious luxury of non-addictive men. I think it's it's words to that effect. Mm. Anger is the dubious luxury, Mm. right? So it's like, if you have a problem with substance abuse or whatever kind of thing it is that has accidentally overtaken your life, yeah. Right, and made it a bit unmanageable. Then you've got to constantly watch yourself falling into situations or states of mind that could trigger that toxic behaviour again. Makes sense, right? Mm. And anger is something that you have to fucking try to avoid at all costs because it's one of the main, most powerful triggers to send you into a dark place. So yeah. I thought the fact that it was described as a dubious luxury was quite funny. And I thought it was quite insightful because it's like, it's a, it's a luxury. You don't have to. It's like, they used to say Glenn Hoddle was a luxury player, didn't they? Because he didn't run. And I <laughs> thought, yeah, it's a bit like Glenn Hoddle luxury. anger yeah. in that you get some excitement out of anger. Yeah. And you get some short-term, short-term relief of your buzz. frustration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is a bit of a buzz to getting angry. I mean, I should know. I'm, I'm always fucking losing my nut. I used to do it much more. And I thought, oh, it's quite good because it's cathartic. You get a load of shit off your chest quite quickly and a big blast, right? Yeah. But it's you should, but it's a it. So it's a luxury in that sense, but it's a dubious luxury because, of course, ultimately, it's just toxic and destructive, right? But they're yeah. saying if you have any fucking propensity to spiral at short notice and with little control into very bad destructive habits or types mm. of behaviour, then you you literally anger is not an option for you. You cannot, re- you cannot allow yourself. You have to train yourself not to fucking go anywhere near it. Mm. And anything you think might make you angry, you need to fucking start. You have to make a big effort to see that from a different perspective quickly. Right. right? 
Yeah. So if you, so if I see a, so if I see a cunt on a train not wearing a mask and he's the only one on the carriage not wearing a mask and he's very unapologetic about it, right? Mm. Then I have to work hard to think. Don't start getting angry because mm. what did Yoda say? He said anger le- anger leads to pain, pain leads to suffering, something like that. I can't remember. But if you kind of try and imagine an angry outburst as almost being like a flamethrower coming from your yeah. mouth and yeah. it scorches everything mm. around it. So it's not just about being cathartic for you. It yeah. causes damage in your near environment as well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why it's sort of like a luxury or it's quite yeah. selfish and self-indulgent, isn't it? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that if you've got all this frustration inside of you, it doesn't mean you just it, it or you just have to live with it. But there must be another way of there's other there's ways in which you can shift your perspective to stop it torturing yeah. you, like to basically get rid of this frustration without mm. and without actually being angry. That's something that's to work right, on, Andy. Isn't it? I'm talking about having a wank. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm building up to it. Jalapeno. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jalapeño. Can we get back to mud? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should get back to mud. We've, got, we've come to the point... On the Wikipedia page, uh, which is entitled Problems. <sighs> so, now then. I mean, we've, we've looked at the good side of mud in episode one, mm, haven't we? The dark side. This is the this is the dark side. The dark side of the mud, as Pink Floyd originally wanted to call that album. <laughs> um, until someone else suggested mood might be better. Uh, problems, it says. And it says mud can pose problems for motor traffic when moisture is present. True. Because every vehicle function that changes direction or speed relies mm. on friction between the tyres and road surface. Very so true. a layer of mud on the surface of the road or tyres can cause the vehicle to hydroplane. Wow. So that's something to think about. If you're out and about, you're driving around in the mud, think yeah. twice. Proceed with caution. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Um, I mean, you can get stuck in the mud as well, can't you? Quite easily in a car. It used to be a good game, that, didn't it? Stuck in the mud. Did you used to play that at school? No, I don't remember that, don't think. Never heard of it? Re- remind me. Maybe I do. It's a bit like it. As I remember it, you run about, and if someone touches you and you're it, yeah. right, then you have to stand stuck in, in a sort of a star-shaped, a star-shaped right. almost, right? So your legs, your feet, let's say a foot and a half apart, mm-hmm. and your arms out, um, you know, 90 degrees, right? Yeah. little bit like Jesus, but Jesus in a power stance. Jesus in a power, power stance st- and stand, it's standing still. Maybe Jesus did that when he before he did his, his sermons on the power mountain. Stance, come out and do a power stance, Jesus, I call it. 
Just I think that's moments. the name. In yoga, that's what that particular stance is called. It's called Power, power Jesus. Stance Jesus. Power Jesus. <laughs> now, if you could all adopt the Power Jesus and breathe. <laughs> Let Jesus yeah. flow through you right now. So, so what happens is you stand there because you've been touched by one of the um, oppressors. And, mm. yeah, it's two teams, that's it. So, and the ones who, who've got the, the power to stick you in the mud, they do that, you're mm. stuck in the mud. You can be released by one of your teammates running and going on all fours through your legs. That oh, releases right. you from the mud. Right. I don't think we've But they're taking a risk by coming to rescue you because yeah. that slows them down. It gives the opportunity for them to be fucking stuck in the mud, right? Yeah. So it's quite heroic to go and rescue a mate in Stuck in the Mud. Me, I wouldn't bother. I'd look after myself. Yeah, I'll just stay here in the mud. It's all right. I haven't got to do anything. Just watch. That's what Jesus would have done. Um, Yeah. Talking of standing around, right? Okay. There was something else. This is this is a big tangent, but sometimes I have to say it before I forget. Five episodes, isn't it? No, listen, right? It, there's, right. It, there's a loose, there's a loose connection to mud and right, okay. to the power of Jesus. Mm. Scarecrows, obviously, mm-hmm. really funny. At some point, we'll do a history box they're, or deep dive brilliant. on them. Yeah, they are. But I was just thinking yesterday about Wurzel Gummidge because I was thinking nowadays, like the thing I'm most into is um, I was thinking, when am I like at my most content? And I was realising it's when me and Leonard like sat on the sofa with a cup of tea or a pot of tea, ideally, and mm. a slice of cake. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what cunt used to go on about that? And I thought, it's fucking Wurzel Gummidge, because his catchphrase was, a cup of tea and a slice of cake. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I thought, he had the right fucking idea. He had it, yeah. So I started doing a bit of Wurzel Gummidge research and just remembered how many hilarious things there were about Wurzel Gummidge. You know, it only lasted from... 79 to like 81 right yeah, but it, they managed one. to do four series in that time fucking hell and then years later like in the 90s because they kept trying to revive it John Pertwee himself was always up to scams to get it revived right, right. it's like a Viz cartoon strip that isn't it John Pertwee's Wurzel Gummidge revival scam <laughs> right Right. And there's a lot on the Wikipedia page about him like always approaching different TV commissioners and saying, we should bring it back. It's still got a massive audience, right? right. In the 90s, someone, some mad, mad man in fucking New Zealand who loved it said, I'll bring it back. You can come and make it here in New Zealand. So they fucking made a whole new series like 10 years after it had ended With called Wurzel Gummidge Down Under. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And fucking... Aunt Sally got bought at some sort of fucking fairground market, right, and shipped to New Zealand by a new owner. And yeah. Wurzel Gummidge was so gutted that he stowed away on the plane in the <laughs> luggage <did>. compartment. <laughs> right? Um, but no, just Wurzel Gummidge. Do you remember, Andy, that Wurzel Gummidge used to change? He had a selection of different heads. Yeah. And each head gave him a different personality and power. Yeah, the different heads were really realistic, but at the same time, not realistic. Yeah, yeah. I do remember and do you that. also remember what a fucking strict cunt and how scared you were of the crow man, his boss, yeah. mm. his handler? Yeah. Fuck. Who was played hell. by Cat Weasel, of course. Jeffrey Bilden, yeah. Mm. So, did, anyway, I was just thinking. The, have you watched any of the remakes they've done recently? That's with, um, what's his name, Mackenzie Crook. Mackenzie Crook. 
No, I saw the images when it first came out. I saw them in the paper, and I was so terrified. Mm. I mean, I, Mackenzie Crook's great, but I was just like, nah. I just thought, yeah, see him. I just thought that's not for me. That's not worth it. Too, much. it was just too scary. Pertwee played it just right. It was odd. That was mm. the, the very essence of it all. It was odd, yes, but it was not. It was not scary. Whereas Mackenzie Crook looks genuinely like something from one of these really like bad ex certificate horror movies. Yeah, but he's not and a scary character, is he? So I don't really know why the, why that happened. No, um, no. Pertwee had it right, but apparently the, these it was the first ever book. It was based on a book in the thirties, which was pub. It was the first ever book published by Puffin which, of course, is the right. kids' imprint of Penguin. <clears throat> and it was quite popular. And they pitched it as a film, right? Keith mm. Waterhouse wrote it as a movie. He got Pertwee attached, but the finance fell through. So Pertwee was like, I reckon oh, you should fuck. pitch it as a TV show. I I'm still fucking, want to do this. <laughs> I'm still, I've got a fucking big reputation in TV. My name can still get people to make decisions, Right. And so he pitched it to BBC, and apparently the bloke at the BBC went, sorry, that's just simply too odd. They turned it down for just being too weird. Like a fucking scarecrow that comes live. Fuck that. That'll just scare everyone. Um, but And loads of ITV channels turned it down until eventually someone took it. But anyway, I suppose what it comes down to is a nice cup of tea and a slice of cake. That, that mm-hmm. and his fucking almost scary obsession with Aunt Sally, who did nothing but abuse him right mm. that those were the two defining characteristics of Wurzel Gummidge romantic obsessive obsessivism mm. and a love for tea and cake he, yeah that was the dark side of him he was a bit of a stalker wasn't he really he was yeah but you couldn't blame him too much because now. he was the thing about him was he was mentally ill and in those days they wouldn't have picked up on that and in fact the crow man and Aunt Sally just did nothing but fucking berate him Rather than help him, he was. I mean, he, he was quite literally off his fucking nut. I, I mean, yeah, he used to change his fucking head, so that is an indicator yeah. of how. I don't know if that was meant to be symbolic. I think it was a metaphor, wasn't it? A metaphor it for multi personality disorder. Well, yeah, of course. But on the positive side, because that's the negative side of him, although it doesn't have to be negative, on the positive side, two things I've learned from this exchange. One, the tea and cake philosophy, which yeah. is excellent, obviously, and the just rest mm. thing, and all that. Two, the scarecrow. Yeah. What scare? What what pose does the scarecrow have? Power Jesus. Jesus. The power Jesus. Exactly. That's, that's why it came into my head. Mm-hmm. And it's all come full circle. And that and, and power um, Jesus comes from stuck in the mud. So, as always with these things, there is not a tangent. It is all related. It's all tied in together. Uh, very quickly. And what do you do? What do you do with a scarecrow? Mm. You stick him in the mud. A scarecrow is, by mud. definition, stuck in the mud. You do. It's probably where the game came from. Probably was. Yeah. Don't see as many scarecrows these days, do we? I don't think. Well, I'm not in the countryside much, but um, yeah. I'm not. I, I don't find myself in fields of crops that often. I just have but a feeling there aren't as many. Is there a we, scarecrow federation, perhaps? That we've, ta- we've talked the a numbers? huge amount about how much we hate crows on this show. And, you know, anyone who tuned into our pre-Christmas Turbo live stream will know that, and we haven't talked about this much on the actual pod, but a crow did steal my flapjack just before Christmas. 
yeah, in did. Richmond Park on December the 23rd. It did. And so, and I already hated crows. So now I'm like, bring back scarecrows. We need them now more than ever. No wonder the crows have all been taking so many liberties. It's because the government cut funding to scarecrows. Maybe we'll come to a point in the near future where we have actual human scarecrows patrolling the streets because the crows get so full of themselves and ideas of yeah. devastation and power hungry. And they're getting more intelligent, so they, they started are. to understand that yeah. the scarecrows weren't if real they're stealing, move. They're stealing flapjacks now from, from grown men in broad daylight. My so attitude is, I, I rang up my MP, I said, listen, I pay my fucking taxes, right? Mm. I am a I am a I am a tax paying citizen of the land. That's mm-hmm. how I describe myself. They, yeah. they seem confused of that. I kept saying how I was of the land, and I will walk through that land eating my flapjack as it is my right to do, as my grandfathers and great grandfathers fought for the right to do. I do not need these fucking crows coming without buying or leave, nicking my flapjack, and and suffering no consequence whatsoever. Bring back hanging. Hanging for crows. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about what was what were the thing the guardian angels. Remember them, the, the fellow in the yeah. barrier and all his pals. Yeah, they in were New in New York, York though, weren't they? They were in New York, but we could have human scarecrows in Britain. I know we have marshals, unpaid crow vigilantes. We have some cities have got taxi marshals, haven't they? That the, the uh, uh, unofficial and the um, the oversee taxi queues late at night. And help a, people that, that's a job for fucking Lampards if ever there yeah, was one. I think they're related Stand to the church. Yeah, you're drunk. You're not allowed in the taxi. They'll Mate, be one everyone in, in this queue is drunk. Please calm down. Please stop throwing your garlic bread at me. <laughs> but maybe something like that. Human scarecrows wandering the streets, just flapping at crows. It would be useful. And them away while from you're us. at it, get some bigger lads to take care of the seagulls. Sort of yeah. walking into Tesco's and nicking sandwiches and that. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll just leave it there, I think. Yeah. We haven't I think really we've covered got into very it. Much, I think but, there's um, a lot of depth and texture to that episode. There was, it was a lot more about the lived experience than it was about the uh, the science of mud, I think. Mm. But uh, that's fine, as we, as we agreed at the beginning. Both are valid. Um, Next right. topic, topic coming up. Mm. Two topics coming up. There's an incentive to tune in next week. Is... Mud as food, which I'm particularly excited about. Jesus. Yeah. And and after that, mud bath. Oh. So both things that to look forward to. Maybe we'll get to the end of mud next week. We'll, we'll yeah. certainly do our best. Thanks for listening very much. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.